Earlier this month, investigative post Jeff Kelly reported on a lawsuit describing how Clover Group, one of the region's largest real estate and development firms, uses racist and illegal practices masked by coded language to prevent housing being built in areas where the company considers there to be too many black residents. The code uses Canadian for black people. Riches, uh, Canadian factors, though, was the thing I wasn't sure he was going to be okay with, but... Um, there are a a ton of Canadians, um, if I'm using the term correctly, immediately to the west in... Kelly sat down this week to talk about his reporting and what stories may come in the future. For Investigative Post, this is Reporter's Notebook. Jeff, thanks for uh, sitting down with me again. Um, I know we've been reporting on Clover for um, primarily uh, last week was when we had several stories on it, uh, but we're still looking at a few other things. Can you tell me... uh, Give me just an overview of your reporting on this. Where did it start, and uh, what have you put out there? Well, what we started with was a lawsuit by this whistleblower, Pete Rizzo, who worked there for less than six months, uh, in part because he discovered uh, that the company was using racial demographics to help them vet sites for possible development sites for their senior housing complex. In effect, they were racially profiling communities in a way that Rizzo thought was certainly unethical, uh, very likely illegal, and he also thought bad business. Uh, in any case, they, they fired him, and he believed that they fired him because he called attention to and objected to these practices that he considered racist and illegal. They said they were firing him because they were in financial trouble. He didn't buy that. And as it turns out, you know, he had... Uh, collected these audio recordings mm-hmm. of top Clover executives discussing this policy, this unwritten policy, uh, using the code word Canadians for black people and the Canadian factor for their policy, uh, you know, that which basically was that if a surrounding community, a potential site was more than 20% black, they didn't want anything to do with it. Mm. So we started with that lawsuit and with those audio recordings. But right. at the same time, we also had our, our colleague Dale looked at the millions of dollars in, in taxpayer subsidies that had helped Clover mm-hmm. uh, become one of the biggest real estate uh, you know, developers in this region. Uh, we also looked at the CEO, Michael Joseph, his sort of civic and political engagement. He's a big donor. Yeah. To, let's uh, let's yeah. pause right there. Michael Joseph, that's a big name that we haven't mentioned here um, just yet. Who is Michael Joseph and how is he tied to Clover here? So he's the founder of the company, is Michael Joseph. He started it in 1987. Uh, he is, uh, and he's grown this company to, as I say, you know, one of the bigger real estate firms in this region with a presence across more than a half dozen states. So He is also a prominent sort of member of society. He was, until just earlier this week, uh, chair of Roswell Park's uh, board of directors. He serves on the board of the Albright Knox Art Gallery, now known as the AKG Gallery. He has had various other board positions over the years. He is a huge donor, particularly to uh, Democratic elected 
elected officials, mm-hmm. including every past governor of New York State over the past you know, 20, 30 years, uh, a big donor and big supporter of Erie County Executive Mark Polencars. He served on Polencars' transition team mm-hmm. when, when Mark was first elected uh, as county executive. So he's got this very sort of high profile. And how is he, was he in the recordings, um, how is he connected to Clover? He is, he is the president of the company. He is, it's a family-owned company. So it's his. He controls it. Right. He does not appear in the recordings. He is, uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't work around here much. He spends a lot of time at his estate in Florida. His second-in-command, uh, Richard Greenspan, he's the one who who is sort of recorded uh, describing what exactly this policy is, translating mm-hmm. that code for Canadians and, and, and the Canadian factor for the whistleblower, Pete Rizzo. Uh, Richard Greenspan is his right-hand man. Uh, but Michael Joseph himself does not appear in the recordings. Mm. He is named in the lawsuit. There is a recording, I believe it was Emily Brady, uh, one of the recordings that Rizzo uh, obtained that said um, something along the lines of, he doesn't want to upset him with choosing a bad site. Is that recording referring to Joseph? That yes. choosing a bad site would make the company and Joseph look bad? Yes, yes, and explicitly so. It, it, it indicates that she's referring to, to, uh, to Joseph. So does that directly tie these racist sentiments to Joseph? I, that's certainly the argument Rousseau and his lawyers the are making. Course, yeah, in the right, lawsuit, right. yeah. So who is responsible here? Uh, I know that we, we've talked about Joseph, but talk about Greenspan and the others in the recordings. Well, so Greenspan uh, is described in the lawsuit and, and kind of appears to be in the recording sort of the enforcer of this, this Canadian factor mm-hmm. policy. Uh, he is the one, when the other executives talk about evaluating the number of Canadians, the number of black people, they refer to it as Rich's Canadian policy. They say Rich is not going to like this mm. he, because he's the final arbiter, right? He's the one apparently who after a potential site has been cleared by uh, various executives below him, it gets sent to him for the final word. And that's where the Canadian factor uh, is appraised. Yeah. So let's talk Clover. Um, How much of a foothold does Clover have in the senior housing department here in Western New York? Oh, it's got a lot. So it's got, uh, you know, across several states, it's got about 50 uh, housing complexes, 11 of those are here. It, it's worth noting that uh, only one of them is in a community that could be described as that, that they would otherwise, their executives would consider too black, and that's the Jill Joseph Tower in Buffalo, mm-hmm. uh, up, up just off Main Street in the University District. The rest are fairly suburban in, in predominantly white communities. Right, right. And how does this reporting, how does this story in this lawsuit reflect more on the the broader story of systemic discrimination and systemic racism here in Western New York? Well, I mean, th- I should ask you that question, Garrett, because you've been doing a deep dive into, of course, this, right. into this issue about, about uh, the way housing policies right. um, from the governmental level mm-hmm. uh, uh, sort of preclude uh, low-income housing in the suburbs, et cetera. Right. Uh, but this is more about, like, you know, the decisions made by by private individuals, by a right. private company, how they sort of steer their their activity away from what they consider undesirable neighborhoods. That is to say, 
uh, neighborhoods where black and brown people live, neighborhoods where poor people live, um, thus depriving those people of housing choices. That's the argument uh, that Rizzo and his attorneys are making mm-hmm. in court that this vet- uh, that this violates uh, federal fair housing law by denying access to uh, to people of color and to poor people. Something that's been bugging me, as as you mentioned, that I've been doing this research is the difference between the private and public sector. A private company can do what they want. So how does that overlap with law and discrimination law? They can do what they want so long as they don't say precisely why they're doing it. Mm. That's the thing. Clover very easily could have uh, enacted this business plan of theirs, what what has revealed to be their business plan, simply if only they did not explicitly include racial demographics. So a company like Clover can have a clear discriminating goal as long as they don't say it out loud. And that's why this lawsuit is so important. Because they said it out loud and they got caught on tape. Wow. That's really interesting. For, for my money's worth, this story has been very interesting to me because it, it seems to be something of a smoking gun finally pulling something down of this big picture of systemic racism that every community faces, but really giving voice to it giving words to it, and giving faces to it, people that are doing this in the shadows. And showing the effects, because if you look, so we talked about the 11 senior housing complexes around Western York, just Mm -hmm. one in a neighborhood that that Clover executives would consider too black. I looked at all, you know, 50-some in various states, Including many, many more in New York State, elsewhere. Right. And I think the average, uh, the average black population surrounding community by zip code was like six percent. So you know, there, this policy is real, and this policy it, it's real on the ground. Right. This, this hmm. is what they. This is what they say they do, and it's what they do. So, what are the next steps for your reporting? Do you think? Well, there are more lawsuits forthcoming. One of them has already been reported upon, uh, and a couple of them have been referred to. We know they're coming. Um, I think, as you, as you know, the, under pressure, um, Michael Joseph stepped down right, from right, the board right. of Roswell Park, uh, and, and the governor accepted that resignation. Roswell Park, which you know, we've we've reported on right. too extent about their problems with uh, with race and gender discrimination complaints over the past decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's happened for Joseph. But the lawsuit's going to sort of continue on. You know, it's a federal lawsuit. It's going to take some time for it to play out. Um, it'll go into sort of mandatory mediation. Maybe they'll reach a settlement wouldn't be like the worst business decision the, that Michael Joseph has ever made. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe not. Maybe it'll go to trial, in which case this could, uh, this could ex- extend out for years. When, I, I believe it was Monday, uh, no, it was, it was Tuesday when, when Dale and I got back from Wyoming County, that you had mentioned that uh, Joseph had been, uh, he, he was stepping down. Yeah, it's funny because I, cause I was just getting ready to publish a story about whether he was even eligible to right. serve on the board because, you know, his residency is possibly Florida, not the state of New York. Right. It seems to me that several dominoes have been falling very quickly since this lawsuit came out 
since our reporting came out. Um, what else, I mean, what, what big effects does something like this have um, on, on places like Roswell? Well, that's a good question. So, so Michael Joseph has been compelled to resign from the board of Roswell, and his replacement is Licia Eve, who is a, a current board member. Interestingly, so I mentioned the, the, the issues that Roswell Park is having with you know, more than a dozen, something like 15 at least, uh, loss, federal lawsuits in the last eight years under Joseph's mm-hmm. tenure as chair. Um, some board members have, have bristled at the way that the uh, organization has been responding to these lawsuits uh, alleging race and gender discrimination. Last summer, five of them uh, wrote a pretty strongly worded dissenting letter to Joseph, the board chair, and to Dr. Candace Johnson, the, the uh, president and CEO mm-hmm. of Roswell, objecting to the way that, uh, that Roswell was handling these cases and the way they were responding to a sort of secretive report the, the board commissioned detailing Roswell's history of problems with racism and discrimination and, uh, and the lawsuits they face. Those five board members wrote this letter and uh, taking exception to the way that they were handling things. Leisha Eve was one of the signers of that letter. So it'll be interesting to see how she perhaps steers Roswell going forward. Now, she's just interim chair. She mm-hmm. may not last. Kathy Hochul, the governor, will get to decide who's the permanent chair. So someone that was in a state of dissent yeah. of Joseph's actions is now replacing Joseph. That is really interesting. Yeah. Um, from a, a pure journalistic standpoint, um, I think this story is really, really interesting um, for my money's worth because of the multimedia aspect. How many stories, I mean, you get a lot of lawsuits. Uh, you're constantly in communication with council members and politicians here in, in Western New York and lawyers um, really combing through some of the stories that uh, are potentially impactful for the people here in Erie County. But how many have a smoking gun style like this one? You, you actually you, hear You it. don't usually get the audio itself. Yeah. You know, you, you, you get like people describing conversations, right? right? right. You, get, you, get, uh, you get a person like vowing that this is what I heard or this is, but you don't right. very often get people saying, this is what I heard, this is what's going on here, and here's the proof. Right. Right. You know, and uh, the proof that it, I mean, you've listened to those tapes. They are astonishing. Like they're breathtaking. You're like, oh, my God. Hard to I, listen to. Hard to listen to. And, and, and hard to listen to partly because, you know, some of the executives, although they are, they are enacting this policy, they sound sort of like hostages to it. You know, mm-hmm. they don't really sound like they necessarily agree with what's going on. And, and. But, but they, nonetheless, they go ahead and do it because right. it's their job and right. they don't want to lose their job. Uh, it's, it, there's a, another lawsuit being filed by a former uh, Clover employee in which he describes that particular dynamic. Really? Yeah, it, that, that there are, because he was brought into the company by another Clover executive, now deceased, who, who he says, told him, no, this policy is wrong. Let's not let's not abide by it 
the really? result of which is that this guy who was going out and scouting development sites in southern states just didn't get any of his proposed sites approved because he ignored the Canadian factor. I really wonder if that, in these new lawsuits that'll come, come to light, if that will add more information toward pointing to the people that are really making these decisions and sending down those orders. Another reason you may see, we, I, I would not be surprised to see these lawsuits get settled mm. rather than have all of this aired out any further than it already has been. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, moving forward, I know you've got a lot of other stuff on your plate, but... Uh... Yeah, but we'll be tracking Clover. We, you know, we're, not, we're not done. <laughs>